You're listening to Shalise's podcast. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to hop into today's topic. All right. Well, Father, thank you for these world changers. Thank you that they are more powerful than they have imagined, that the very same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is dwelling in them right now. Thank you, Father, that this is the power that was wrought in Christ when he was raised from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the Father and seated above all power and principalities, above every ruler in every realm, Daddy. Thank you that this is how powerful they are, that they are seated in heavenly places right now in Christ. And so, God, I just pray that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding so that they can know the hope of their calling. Wake them up this morning, Father. Wake them up with the power of your Holy Spirit, with the grace of the Holy Spirit, so that their their eyes can see the unseen. They can look beyond the natural realm, look beyond the way they see themselves when they go in the mirror, when they go into the bathroom and look in the mirror, Father, and let them literally see themselves as they truly are, Father. Because as Jesus is, so are they in this world. They have been glorified with him. They have been raised with him. Yeah, thank you that Jesus' resurrection is their resurrection and now all things are possible and all that is left to do is just believe, to repent, to believe the gospel, Father, and to to go into all the world and make disciples and to transform this planet into heaven, to be sons of God, to be manifested sons of God, Father. So use this message, use this message today, Father, just to to wake them up, Father, to catapult them into purpose and to help them recognize that they are a strategic part of your plan that their purpose matters, that the call of God on their life matters, and that they have been called to be a transformer, to be a transfigurer of other people, of other, of cities, of nations, Lord. And so just wake them up, Father, to the possibilities of what you have planned for their life and how they can be used by you when they learn to abide and they learn to let you work through them and they recognize the call of God on their lives. And so use this um, recording today, use this broadcast today, Father, to to just catapult people into purpose, catapult people into the the positions of influence that you've called them to play, into the the places of abundance and the place of, of, of being an example, Lord, of your goodness and your grace and that Jesus is alive in them, Father, and we just we just give you praise and advance for it, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, good morning, you guys. I see people joining from New York, from Pennsylvania. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad you're here because today's topic is a really important topic, and I am going to do my best. We'll see how it works because I'm not I'm not promising anything, but I I kind of just wanted to chat with you guys today not necessarily preach today. I mean, I always preach myself happy on these things. So not that preaching is a bad thing, but sometimes I just want to have a chat with you guys. And I kind of want this to be, a, you know, the the atmosphere of this to be kind of like a little fireside chat or a little, you know, inviting you down into my living room today. And I just want to chat with you. And I want to chat with you about kind of just what I was praying about here just a moment ago, about just how powerful you are. And, and I want to do it in the context of, this, this thing that I hear a lot and this overarching culture that is, that I feel has permeated definitely the West. I know it's all over the world now because of coronavirus and stuff. And we've just come out of, I mean, I'm not trying to be insensitive. We just come out of the craziest year, right? With this pandemic. 
And so I'm not trying to be insensitive to the challenges that people are facing, but I do want to chat with you guys today about that we need to change our perspective around this idea that the world is getting darker. Okay. Now I know that there is darkness in the earth. I know that the kingdom of darkness is, you know, doing its thing, that people are deceived, that people are uh, not operating, honestly, in the fullness of, of who they've been recreated in Christ to be. And I, when I say that, I mean both in the church and outside of the church, that people just aren't really aware of, of who they are. We're having, I mean, I know it, it seems like we're having all kinds of problems in the earth, but I just want to say that the main problem that's happening right now in the earth is, is, is there's an identity problem for the human race. And what I mean by that is that people really have not recognized that Jesus Christ is Lord. Like I talked about in our last broadcast, that all authority has been given given unto him, that all dominion, all rule uh, belong unto him. Remember, we went into Matthew 28, 18. We did a whole bunch of scriptures last time, so I'm not going to go back into them. And I've been teaching pretty regularly lately on Colossians chapter one about the idea that Jesus has reconciled the entire cosmos, the world unto himself. I've been talking about how the universe now has been reconciled. It's been redeemed. And when I say the universe, I mean the seen realm, the realm of creation, the realm that Jesus spoke into existence before time began as the word in the beginning. And that we live now in this, 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 this universe that is conscious of uh, human beings. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, hopefully in a minute. But, you know, this, this concept that the world is getting darker is something that I think is a, a lot of times just like this default core belief in the church. And we have been programmed into that. We've been programmed into that, frankly, with a, a very dismal eschatology theology. Most of us that grew up in the Western church, my, my hands going up included, you know, have been taught only one view of the future. We've been taught about the tribulation. We've been taught about the rapture. We've been taught about the antichrist. We've been taught, taught about this view of the future where everything is getting bleak. I mean, depending on which denomination you grew up in or which version of the eschatology and the, the theology of the future you heard, I mean, you may have thought, okay, I'm going to get beheaded. There's going to be these chips that they're going to implant in us. And so, I mean, I remember sitting in church, you know, in, in the Baptist church, you know, oh my goodness, just being terrified. I had nightmares as a child about rapture and being left behind. And then we had the movies, Left Behind series and all this stuff. And and it was just taught to us, you know, our eschatology, eschatology was just taught to us, spoon-fed to us, in the same way that the gospel was taught to us. I mean, it was taught with the same level of confidence. It was kind of like Jesus died. He was the son of God. He went to the cross. He died. He was buried. He was raised again. And then the Antichrist is going to come and blah, 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 blah. So we just were told this narrative that that was kind of in the context of this is the past. This is the future. This is the way it is. And many of us, including myself, never even questioned any of that. And for the most part, never really dug into the epistles, never really uh, studied different eschatology views, and we never really had a objective perspective of what the scriptures teach about the future. And even just when I mean that, we never even heard multiple points of view. 
And the reason we didn't hear multiple points of view is because we were also taught in church. We were programmed to believe that to question things was dangerous because, you know, in the end times, the elect is, there's many in the elect that are going to be deceived. And so we had to be really, really careful about what we were even listening to because it was just so easy to get deceived. And so what it taught us to do is not question anything. It taught us not to question anything. It taught us not to think for ourselves. And honestly, it gave us a fear-based version of the gospel, which if if you've been listening to my podcast for any period of time, you know that I come against that very, very strongly. I mean, especially like in episodes that I named like the gospel according to Shalise, which made a bunch of religious people mad. But the point is, is that I'm coming against being a spoon-fed, you know, gospel Christian, being a pop Christianity Christian, where we're just listening to the popular messages of the day, and we're not really digging into what the the, the church fathers believed, that what history has believed over time. And what what is the gospel actually saying? Excuse me. So in my own journey, you know, kind of back to the Lord and into a place where I fully surrendered my, my life to God. And I started getting my first taste of victorious Christianity. Okay. This was in my early thirties. This is over 20 years ago. And I'm aging myself here. But when I started getting my first taste of victorious Christianity, you have to recognize that I was in dire straits. I was personally in need of a miracle. I was suffering under a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Uh, I was on anti-anxiety medicine. I had been in therapy for years. I was outwardly extremely successful. Okay. I mean, I was at the top of my game professionally, very, uh, you know, well off uh, financially, but internally I was very, very ill. And I, frankly, had been running from God. I want to say, you know, probably until my mid-20s, just because the gospel that I was taught, I mean, intellectually, it didn't make sense. I was not, um, an, you know, I had a brain, I guess I would say. And then even in this generation, I mean, our kids are so, so smart. You just can't spoon feed them things the way that we could, you know, many generations ago. And so I just had lots of questions that no one could seem to answer. And I, I really have never been... um the kind of spoon fed, you know, I've always been a little bit of a rebel. I've always been a little bit of a go against the grain kind of person. So I had rebelled against this gospel that I had been taught growing up and honestly had grown to just despise uh, the Christian church because it just felt so hypocritical and it was felt so judgmental. And so anyway, as I, it, as I headed into my thirties and I began to hear the victorious Christian a message about victorious Christianity. And I began to dig into the epistles uh, and I used, and I began to read a lot of the scriptures that I read to you guys last night about the, the victory of Jesus and, and exalting the fact that he has all authority and, and exalting the idea that he's seated in heavenly places far above principalities and rules. And I began experiencing the supernatural. Remember, I, I started in street ministry, watching people getting delivered, watching people get healed. I mean, it was an incredible display of the miraculous power of God. I came out of bipolar disorder myself just by honestly getting a hold of one scripture. And the scripture was, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I just began to meditate and speak that scripture aloud. I mean, speak that scripture aloud. And as I did that, I got a revelation of that I was not depressed, that you know, that I was one with Jesus and that although I was experiencing the symptoms of this disorder, that was, that was a false identity. And so I just began to not accept it. I began to come out of agreement with it and I began to speak that I had a sound mind. And the bottom line is, um, 
as I was led by the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a longer testimony than I want to give today, but I began to get up in the morning and dance because that's what God told me to do. And I was supernaturally healed of that. And so that was kind of the context of me coming into the victorious message of Jesus Christ rather than kind of this fear-based message that I had been taught growing up. And I'm sharing this because what happened was, is I got a, got a hold of the message of grace and I got a hold of the message of, you know, that the cross is the only uh, payment that is ever going to need to be made for me to be righteous, for me to go to heaven, that the performance is, there's no performance in my relationship with God, that there is no legalism. You know, I just began to really detox from a lot of that religion. Very soon, I began to recognize that this view of the future that was so bleak did not make sense, that there was a contradiction in this, in this theology because I didn't understand how Jesus could have all authority and he could have all power and that his kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom, that he said, love your enemies and 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 pray for those who, who persecute you. But he also gave us the, the authority to cast out devils. I began to really not, I didn't have answers, but I had lots of questions that it did not make sense to me that the world would be getting darker and darker. And it surely didn't make sense to me when I started to, to read some of the scriptures that I was going to bring up today, like in Romans, where it says in Romans eight nineteen that um, creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, right? And, and this concept that that the world has been reconciled, that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, and that we now, our citizenship is now in heaven. And it did not say that we weren't going to have tribulation in the world. I'm not saying that there wasn't going to be challenges, that we weren't going to have trials. Why? Because not everyone's a believer yet. But I just could not reconcile this bleak future with the victory of Jesus. And I, and I, and, and so I just really began to question and I, I didn't have answers, but I just was like, there's something off here. And whenever I would be around believers that were focused on this bleak future and what the enemy was doing and, you know, the return of Christ and, and wanting to get raptured out of this dark, evil place. Let me say this. There was no power. There wasn't power in those places. I wasn't seeing signs and wonders happen. I wasn't seeing revival. I wasn't seeing life-giving fruit of of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. I was seeing fear. I was seeing all of the things that, in fact, we've been delivered from. And so, again, I just began to walk this out. And so today what I want to share with you is, you know, what if the world is only getting darker because the church has been lied to? What if the church has been uh, taught that that's the truth? And because of our own authority, we're watching it happen. Why? Because that view of the future makes us passive, guys. It makes us, it puts us into a place where, well, that's just the way it is. This has been prophesied. So why even fight it? And, and the thing that's interesting about this is that we already inherently, instinctively know something's off with that, with this. Because if it really was prophesied that things were just going to get worse and worse and worse, well, why do we keep trying to succeed and be successful in this life and leave a legacy for our kids? And, you know, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So why are we even, see, it causes us to not be legacy minded and to not think about the next hundred years, the next 200 years, the next 300 years. It causes us to just become resigned and frankly scared and fearful and depressed because there's really, we feel helpless. It's like we just throw our hands up and be like, well, this is just the way it's going to be. You know, what can I do about it? And so it matters what we believe about the future. 
you know, I don't know. A lot of people are, you know, freak out about watching movies that aren't Christian movies and stuff. But if you ever want to watch a movie that kind of brings this point home, it's a movie that I really feel is very prophetic. Um, you know, God used unbelievers in the Old Testament, ungodly kings, right, to have dreams and, and share about the future. Uh, Pharaoh and uh, with Joseph, right? I mean, you know, seven years of famine and all those things. But there's lots of examples in scriptures of God giving ungodly kings dreams and stuff. But the point is, is in this movie, Tomorrowland, uh, it's a Disney movie, but it's, it's really set up <laughs> and I'm not going to give the whole movie away, but it's worth watching. It's because it, it will give you a, a really good prophetic and kind of modern day perspective on what I'm saying here. Because what I'm saying is that what we believe about the future matters. Okay. If in fact, creation is moaning for the manifestation of, of the sons of God. Okay. And if, in fact, creation hears us, okay? So there's a relationship that sons of God have with creation, okay? There was a relationship that Jesus had with creation. Remember when he spoke to the fig tree and it, it and it heard him <laughs> and then it dried up at the root? Remember when he spoke to storms, okay? When I say that the universe is, is, has a relationship with us. Okay. I've been talking about the fact that it's conscious. How do I know it's speech activated? How do I know? Because God spoke it into existence and the, and, and the immaterial realm and the, the unseen realm arranged was shaped, formed and fashioned by the words that God spoke. So matter responded to God's word. Okay. And it happened in Jesus's ministry. It's happened in Elisha's ministry. Like the, the creation responds to us guys. And what's so cool really about living in 2021 is the fact that quantum physics and quantum mechanics is now proving the very things that script that I'm teaching and that scripture teaches. But before I go into all of that in more of a detail in this movie in Tomorrowland, basically what's happening is there's an invisible place called Tomorrowland that is projecting the thoughts of humanity onto the future. And so the world is getting darker and darker, darker, and it's actually going to end in this movie because that's what human beings believe. And there's the kind of heroine of the movie who doesn't believe it. And she ends up fixing the future. So I'm not going to give all the details. It's definitely worth watching, but it goes right along with, I mean, I, to me, I feel like it's a prophetic declaration for the church, honestly, that we need to wake up and we need to quit projecting our thoughts and our beliefs into the atmosphere and into, you know, what they call in uh, quantum physics into the, uh, the quantum web or into the, uh, the matrix, they call it, which in Latin, that means womb, um, into the energy field. But, but the point is in quantum physics, it, it, you know, what you project it with your thoughts and with your focus is, is what, what manifests. I mean, this is a quantum principle. This isn't just a scriptural principle. I mean, scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, you know, that nothing shall be restrained from us that we've imagined to do that, that God is a God that calls things that be not as though they were. He calls the non-existent things into existence as though they already existed. And so faith, okay. Quantum physics and faith are coming into agreement Okay. The, the principle in quantum physics is, is that everything in our, everything in our universe is actually just energy. And what I mean by energy, that it's an energy wave, right? And it's only human observation that causes energy to become material, meaning that E equals MC squared, which is an Einstein formula, uh, that kind of 
broke open the whole field of quantum physics is that, um, is, is that there's this relationship between energy and matter and that at a quantum, at the smallest level of the universe, energy and matter are interchangeable. And so I don't want to do a whole quantum physics lesson here today, but I do want to tell you, like, if you want to find out some really cool things about, uh, the way the universe, they're discovering the universe works that, that actually confirm the things that we know in scripture, well, quantum physics is a great thing to study because what you're going to learn is that it's confirming that creation or the universe responds to human beings. And in fact, it is, it is aware. It is, it has an awareness. It has an awareness. And what it is aware of is our focus. It's aware of what we observe. It's a, it's aware of our beliefs. I mean, there have been so many, I was just reading about an, a, an experiment, um, over the weekend where they, they, I mean, it's kind of like the placebo effect. Okay. You know, when you, if you hear about the placebo effect, but this was an, an experiment where they, they had this random, uh, generator, this machine that was, uh, you know, spitting out ones and zeros, ones and zeros, ones and zeros in a random pattern. And what they did is they put a, a study together where if the human beings had a focused intention and a focused thought towards that machine where it would only do, and I think it was like more ones than zeros or something, would it affect the machine? And what happened was, is that it did. That as the people sat there and had a focused intention and they were thinking one, 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 and they were causing, you know, again, this, this is a random generating machine, but yet the human beings were influencing and impacting the results that that machine was spitting out simply by their focus. Okay. Beloved, this is the way human beings work. Okay. This is the way the creation works. This is the way the universe works. This is the way faith works. Okay. And when, when God says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, that when we have, when we hold a vision and we hold, um, a future in our head, when I say in our head, in our imagination and in our intention, and we are, we have a, we have a, uh, we believe, we believe the words that God have spoken. We believe the promise when we stand and we focus on that. What is faith? Faith is standing for a future that is yet to manifest regardless of how it looks in the natural. And what that's faith, but it's also a principle because if you look at what, if you look at what you don't want, that's what you're going to have. If you look at what you do want, that's what you're going to have. I mean, this is that all things are possible if you can believe. And so what I'm sharing today is that we have got to get out of the world is getting darker belief system. We've got to get into a victorious, victorious Jesus belief system where we have a, we actually are a part of causing it to happen. We have to wake up. We have to wake up to the kingdom of God that is within us, that the kingdom of God that surrounds us, that this is an invisible right now reality. It's what it means to repent. It means change your mind and believe the gospel. What the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead, the good news that he holds the keys of hell and the keys of death, that Satan has been defeated, that he has no authority, that he was made an open display. And, and that when Jesus triumphed over him, that Jesus led captivity captive. I mean, we can say these scriptures over and over that he always causes us to triumph that we are more than conquerors okay what until the, until what there's no there's no if there's no but it's it's just it just is it just is it says jesus is coming back for his church without spot or wrinkle what does that mean it doesn't mean that we've cleaned up our act independent from jesus it means that we have believed the gospel and we've entered into a place of union with jesus to such a degree that we have no righteousness apart from him and so our self existence that was apart from him has been swallowed up into an existence only inside of Christ. 
We have now believed the gospel. We've now come into this place, the saving knowledge of that I am one with Jesus, that I am truly the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have, I am without spot or wrinkle. Why? Because I'm in him. I'm in Christ. There is no me apart from Jesus. I am righteous right this moment, not based on my performance apart from Christ, but based upon my belief that I'm one with him. It's called, I'm, I'm righteous by faith. I'm righteous by belief. And that is a church without spot or wrinkle. It's not like all of a sudden we're going to clean up our act. We're not going to clean up our act, not knowing who we are. Right. And so I'm saying a whole lot here. <laughs> I'm saying a whole lot in this, in this broadcast, but it is imperative that we get our identity straight because when we get our identity straight and we understand the gospel as this incredibly victorious, all encompassing message of the glory of Jesus Christ that now fills all things, that now all of the universe, the revert, the curse has been reversed. I mean, it's still operating in the world. Why? Because sons of God have not shown up. We haven't shown up. And so creation is groaning, 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 groaning for what? The manifestation of, of sons. What are sons? Sons that live in union with Jesus. Sons are, 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 are those that have no slave mentality anymore. We're no, we're not orphans. We know where we belong. We belong in the father's house, which is his body. <laughs> it's not just some castle in the sky. The father's house is him. In his house is many mansions. That's you. You're the mansion in the father's house. And we need to wake up. We need to wake up to this reality so that we can be led by the spirit because it's the sons of God that are led, led by the spirit. And when we're led by the spirit, let me tell you where you're going to be led. Okay, buckle up. You're going to be led into your purpose. You're going to be led into a vision. You're going to be led into the call of God on your life, which is to make in some way the earth look like heaven. But here's, here's where we are, church, right? A large percentage of us are not even hearing God. Okay. We're not, we're not hearing God. We're stumbling around in the dark. Why? Because we have an identity that's separate from Jesus. We have all this condemnation. We have all of this performance stuff still in our relationship with God, definitely in our relationship with ourselves and definitely in our relationship with other people. So there's all this judgment. There's all this independent thinking. There's all this stuff going on in this independent self that frankly has been crucified. And so we don't know who we are and we struggle hearing God because of a million reasons, a million subconscious reasons. We project onto God all kinds of things that we've been taught, experiences we've walked through. And we have a hard time hearing him and a hard time relating to him and a hard time receiving his love. And we relate to him separate. So we have this identity problem. So we have to step into Christ. We have to step into Christ and heal our identity. We have to actually heal our identity and get over our, our, our past. We have to renew our minds. We have to basically begin to believe the gospel, believe the fact that we are one with God. We have to believe that there is no us apart from him. In fact, there's not even each other apart from him. We are actually members of one another, which is an whole other quantum principle, which I'm not going to go into right now. But the point is we have to get over this illusion of separation and we have to step into our true identity because then guess what? We can hear God. We can hear God because we have the mind of Christ. We can hear God because we have a new heart. What new heart? His heart. We don't have some sinful heart. We have his heart. We have a new heart. We have, we have his desires. We have access to him. And from that place, now we can begin to understand our part. What's the vision? How does Jesus want to use me? 
How does the, what does the work the father wants to do through me? What does he want to build? Does he want to build universities? Does he want to build, uh, orphanages? Does he want to build a business? Does he want me to, uh, begin to, to teach the church and equip the church so that they can hear this good news too and they can actually wake up and they can actually find their purpose and their calling and be equipped for the work of the ministry? What is my part? What is my part to play in the kingdom? How I'm in the father's business. What's, what's my role? What's my job? What's my job description? And then we get busy. We get busy. And yet there's so many things that we're taught that are contrary to this, guys. We think going to church on Sunday and being an usher is somehow, you know, working in the kingdom rather than our own purpose and our own calling. I'm not saying that God is not going to call you to go to church and usher. When I say that, I mean, but let's be clear. That's not your purpose. Okay, your purpose is to make a difference. Your purpose is to make disciples. And that can happen in any vocation. That can happen in any way. It's going to happen in the way that God uniquely designed you. It can happen with you being a nurse. It can happen with you being a fireman. It can happen with you owning a bank. It can happen with you owning franchises and business. It can happen any way. Why? Because you're wearing Jesus. And Jesus is wearing you. And so that means Jesus is the nurse. Jesus is the fireman. Jesus owns the bank. Jesus owns the franchise. Jesus owns the business. He is everywhere. I mean, how many Christians does it take for Jesus to actually reclaim this planet? How many, how many believers does it take? It's like the old joke, right? How many blondes does it take to change a light bulb? Well, how many, how many believers does it take to transform the world and make it look like heaven? Well, it's going to take more than we have right now because we believe wrong. We have really, really bad, bad theology. And I love you guys enough just to tell you the truth and not, and thank God God has healed me from, from, I mean, maybe I'm not totally healed yet. Y'all pray for me, but I, I believe that he's been doing a work in my life for, you know, a long time now so that the religious system and the way that it trains people to, to attack people that come with the truth or come with a, a perspective of scripture that is different from them. And to be afraid and to be triggered even and to operate out of this cognitive dissonance of anyone that's even trying to, t- to, to challenge what they believe. I mean, I'll tell you what, the church really likes its sin-based theology. I mean, in the same way the Pharisees liked it. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people in the church that just want to hold on to, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. I mean, all of these things that we, 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 we judge and we end up totally separating people from Jesus in a way to try to make ourselves feel better because we know deep down inside we're not good. <laughs> it's just a mess. It's a real mess. And we need, we need, I mean, there is a movement that God is trying to do in the earth. There is a, an awakening happening, but it's not like we think, okay, this isn't going to be like revivals of the past where, you know, it's just the presence of God and everyone's, you know, being convicted of their sin and all of the stuff. No, this is a, this is a movement to awaken the sons of God that actually are going to step into their purpose that are actually going to transform the earth and are going to not, are going to, just like in Tomorrowland, they're going to believe for a different future. They're going to believe for a victorious future. They're going to believe for a future that looks like heaven on earth. And I know this, you know, this seems so hard because we have habit of magnifying the works of darkness. And, and when I say a habit, I mean a habit all over the world. I'm not just saying in the church, right? Our media is constantly feeding us the negative perspective, right? Things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. Things. Are, where are the good statistics? You know, there's a lot of really good statistics out there. As bad as crime is and things, there's a lot of places where it's gone down. 
I mean, it's not just all bad, but we don't hear those things, not from the, the media. Why? Because the enemy wants us in agreement. He wants us in agreement with the idea that the world is getting darker. He wants us in agreement with an idea of a, of a, of a defeated church, of a church that's going to be persecuted, of a church that is going to be, go through a tribulation, of a church that is going to be powerless. Why? Because he has no authority except the church's authority. So if we just defeat ourselves by what we believe. You know, it's actually brilliant. I mean, think about it. If you've been stripped of all authority, you've been stripped of all power, doesn't it make sense that you would have to come up with something and get the church to believe something so that they would simply shoot themselves in the foot? Now, I know that I am challenging deep dogma here, and I don't know who is ready to be able to to actually <laughs> go here or not, but here's the thing. I can't change my message because it's offensive to people who have staked decades in the belief of a bleak future. All right. We have got to wake up beloved because if Jesus Christ truly lives in us and he truly is the resurrected Lord of all, then who ultimately, ultimately has authority in this earth? Why do we think that creation is groaning for the sons of God? Because it's groaning to be governed. It's groaning to, to manifest its full potential. And I know this is a little bit you know, out there for people that, that have been taught their entire life that, you know, we're just going to, we're just, things are just going to get horrible. You might, you might go through a tribulation. You might you have your, you know, you might be beheaded. You might have to be a martyr for Jesus. And then, you know, the end will come. But you, I know, and then people say, well, this is what's happening all over the world. It's happening in the Middle East. It's happening here. People are getting beheaded. Ch churches getting persecuted. Why? Well, because the souls aren't being converted. Because, the gospel is not being preached with power in the demonstration of Jesus Christ in the darkest places. And when there is a conversion of these people, well, guess what happens? There's no more beheadings. There's no more persecution. I mean, we, we seem to think that somehow these powers of darkness somehow are more powerful than us. I mean, there are many, many stories all over the world of people going into the darkest places and seeing entire villages and seeing entire towns completely come to Christ in the same way they did in the Bible. So I just want to say that, that what, you know, there's so much poverty, there's so much crime, there's so many, all of these things. Why? Because the church is not solving the problems through the revelation of Jesus and is showing up as Jesus. So I want you to, I just want to challenge you today. What if the only reason the world is getting darker is because the church doesn't know who she is. What if the only reason the world is getting darker is because the church has not stepped into the fullness of being sons of God, where they are being led by the spirit, where they are living in union with Jesus, where they are, they no longer live, but Christ is living through them. And the vision that God has to, to, to change the world, to make it look like heaven is not being accomplished because believers have not stepped into receiving it and actually going for it. And so we have believers trapped in the world system, trapped working a job for money, trapped believing that the world is getting darker and therefore the enemy is having the upper hand, not because he's more powerful, not because he has the authority to do it, but because he simply handcuffed the church. I mean, it's worth considering, you know, everything that I'm sharing today is worth considering. And what if the gospel is better than we believed. What if the gospel 
And the victory of Jesus is so much more powerful and so much more expansive than what we have been taught. What if the very thing that we are holding onto, afraid of being deceived, is a deception? What if? What if, what if, what if? These are things worth, worth considering. And I'll say this, if you hang around me very long, you're actually going to be happy. (laughs) You're actually going to be excited about the future. You're actually going to discover that God has an incredible plan for your life, that all of the things that you have been worried about separating you from God don't exist. You'll have permission to just go ahead and experience your union with Jesus and step into a lifestyle of signs and wonders and, and, and hearing God for other people and falling in love with other human beings, not being afraid, not being afraid of what the enemy is doing, not being afraid of hanging out with people that don't know Jesus, not being afraid of, of going into something because it's an open door for the devil. Cause you realize that the only open door for the devil he has is if you believe one's open and you just, you just start to love. You can actually love people right where they are. And you can, you can accept that you can do the impossible and you can believe for a purpose. You can believe for something that God's called you to do. That is so much bigger than you can do on your own. And you wake up every day starting to get excited, excited about changing the world, excited about impacting lives, excited about making a difference, excited about loving people right where they are. And it's a completely different way to live. It's a complete, it it sounds like heaven because it is, it's a little bit of heaven right here on earth in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of all the problems. You recognize, man, we just got to get moving. We got to get moving. These cities need Jesus. These cities, these sons, these, these sons don't know who they are. They're killing each other. They don't, they don't know who they are. People just don't know who they are. And where are they going to find out? Where are they going to find out? Because we're going to tell them. We're going to tell them. We're going to tell them. We're going to bring them into the truth of the good news. We're going to step into being ambassadors. We're going to step into be, to being ministers of reconciliation to let them know they're sons. They're sons in the kingdom. And you know what? We'll have incredible, incredible fruit because Saul's will become Paul's and people will be converted and the most incredible the people in the darkest of places will begin to praise and worship Jesus and have incredible transformations and, and complete transitions of entire systems because we were obedient. So beloved, I'm out of time for today, but I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you have your mind become open, that you will, you will begin to, uh, I don't know, just, just not be spoon fed anymore. Right. That, that's what babies are. Babies are spoon fed, right? They're spoon fed their, their, their meat, spoon fed their food. And, and the apostle Paul says that, you know, milk is for the, the immature, but, but, but the meat is for those who have exercised their senses to discern good and evil. And so beloved, it is time. It is time to grow up. It's, and, and, and frankly, those that are in need of milk are those that are unskilled in the work of righteousness. It says in Hebrews chapter five. So it means that if you don't have a solid grasp of your identity in Christ and your righteousness that comes through your union with him. And you aren't living out of that place of righteousness every single day. That is the gift that comes through union with God. Then beloved, I just want to say, you probably need to work with me. (laughs) You, you, You know, you probably need to do the Emerge School of Transformation and you need to detox. You need to detox from the illusion of separation. You need to get into a place where you're hearing God on demand as clear as your own thoughts so that you can live like a son of God, find the call of God, find the purpose, figure out the reason that you were born and get after it, right? Get after it. 
And so the beautiful thing about Emerge is that it's intense in the sense that it happens in three months. It happens, we, we detox you intensely in three months so that you can get on the path to purpose. And so if that's you, you know what? Schedule a call. Marcy will put it in the, the link in the comments here. Get on there with us and let's talk about if Emerge is a good fit. Because here's the thing, beloved, you have a part to play. You have a part to play. I have a part to play. I'm playing my part by doing these lives right here, creating this book, creating this school to detox the, the body of Christ from, from the illusion of separation, get them hearing God, get them clear about their purpose and releasing them into it. That's my part. That's the vision that I, God's had for me to transfigure the body of Christ so that Jesus Christ becomes visible in the earth through the body of Christ. So, whew, all right. Well, I didn't preach too hard today. Yeah, it was a little bit like a, a fireside chat, right? But let me pray and I'll get us out of here today. So Father, thank you for every single one of these world changers that have the fullness of the Godhead living in them. Thank you that they lack nothing, that lack is just an illusion. It's a mindset. It's a program. And therefore it can be deinstalled and it can be replaced. It can be replaced with the truth. It can be replaced with the truth. They can know that truth and they can be set free. They can be set free from and the illusion of separation from you. They can be set free from a powerless identity. They can be set free from the idea, Father, that they they lack anything. And Father, they can learn. They can learn how to operate as sons of God. They can understand the power of what they observe and the power of what they think. They can live higher at a higher level above their thoughts, Father. They can begin to be an observer of their thoughts and they can choose their thoughts and they can take their thoughts captive and their minds can be renewed, Father, and they can live in the spirit. They can be filled with the spirit and they can figure out through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the revelation that you give them, Holy Spirit, why they are here and what they're here to accomplish. And so, Lord, I just release, I release a move of the Holy Spirit in their lives, Father, to wake them up, to wake them up to the gospel, the grace of Jesus, Lord, to just help them understand it, to help them grasp it, make it alive for them, make it alive for them, Father, make it alive for their personal message so that they really get it, so that they really grasp it, so that they no longer are tossed to and fro by the winds of doctrine, Lord. Separate them. Separate them from the places of mixture where they're hearing grace and, and law and they're just getting confused, Father. Separate them from that place for a season, Father. Sanctify them with your word as Jesus prayed. Father, so that they can get this clear. So that they can get this clear and they can become who you've created them to be in Christ, recreated them Christ to do. And they can do the good works that you've called them to do, Father. Lord, I just speak a blessing over every listener. I speak an empowerment of the Holy Spirit over every listener, Father. I just release grace, 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 and more grace, especially in their weakness, God. You do the work, Father. Bring them into the saving knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ. Exalt the cross in their lives, God. Exalt the cross. Let them be people that know nothing except Christ crucified. Father, teach them what happened at the cross. Teach them what happened when they were buried with Jesus. Teach them what happened when they were raised with Jesus. Let them, let them experience God and let them ascend, let them ascend, let them ascend in their understanding father, so that they, they recognize that they truly are seated in Christ. Let them get off their physical senses, father, so that when they look in the mirror, they don't just see a physical human being, but they see the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ joined in spirit with them. God open up their eyes, peel back the scene realm so that they can see what is true, what is true, what is true beyond the 3d reality. And father, let them become people that are manifesting your kingdom, that are transforming the scene realm and causing the victory of Jesus and the heaven and heaven to become uh, visible, to be manifested in this 3D reality, God, so that others can, can be met where they are and they will believe as well. 
So Father, make us those that are living perpetually in union with you. Those that are abiding in the vine and living out of our true identity, God, so that the fruit of the kingdom and the fruit of the gospel just comes through our life (sighs) with ease. Because your yoke is easy, Jesus, and your burden is light. And we have never been meant to toil. We've been meant to enjoy an inheritance. And the inheritance is heaven. The inheritance is you, Jesus. So thank you. Thank you for making us sons. Even the ladies, thank you for making us sons. And thank you for making us your bride. Even the men, thank you, Father, that there's neither male nor female in Christ. That we are all sons and we're all the bride. And Lord, I just bless everyone. And I thank you, Father, that this podcast is just going to go far and wide so that people can be empowered to be set free, to be set free from religious dogma, to be set free from disempowering, disempowering narratives that have been perpetuated in the church. And they can begin to actually get a solid foundation of theology in their life that is Christ crucified. And I pray and receive these things in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.